Welcome to Movie Maker. I'm Tim Malloy, and on today's episode, we're going deep on one of the most beloved film festivals of all, and one of the festivals we feel the most questions about, Slamdance. Founded in 1995, Slamdance has helped launch the careers of movie makers from Steven Soderbergh to Christopher Nolan to the Russo Brothers. Recent breakout features include The Vast of Night, an atmospheric UFO mystery from Andrew Patterson that's now on Amazon Prime, and Residue from Marawai Dreamla, a drama about gentrification in Washington, D.C. that sometimes feels like a documentary and is now on Netflix. Those films may not sound like they have much in common, but what they do share is a scrappy, very slam dance emphasis on artistry over budget. Slam Dance returns this Friday for what promises to be its most inclusive and accessible festival ever. We'll talk about the reasons why in this conversation you're about to hear with Slamdance president and co-founder Peter Baxter and festival manager Adele Hanley. You'll also learn how to watch this year's films and how to get your own film into Slamdance. Actually, the second part is kind of hard, so let's cover the easy part first. You can watch films, Q&As, and panels on Slamdance.com, Apple TV, Roku, Firestick, and YouTube, and get a festival pass at Slamdance.com for $10 or $5 for students. That gives you access this year to 25 feature films and more than 100 shorts and episodics. This year's program also features a new showcase called Unstoppable, featuring 22 short films focused on movie makers with disabilities. And with that, here are Peter Baxter and Adele Hanley from Slamdance. Welcome to Movie Maker. We are so thrilled to have you here because Slamdance is one of the festivals that people ask us about the most. They're always looking for a way into Slamdance. They're always looking for a connection with Slamdance. Can you just talk a little bit about what Slamdance is and some of the people who you have helped bring to the world of film? Well, Slamdance, um, we're like a DIY alternative festival started 20 seven years ago, I want to say, um, by Peter Baxter, who's here with us, and a, fe- fe- a few fellow filmmakers who were rejected from Sundance, and they decided, you know what, we're just going to do our own thing, because why not take the power into our own hands? And they kind of set up in Park City or maybe Salt Lake City, did their own festival, and then it just grew and blossomed from there. Um, and since then, you know, Slam Dance has kind of helped launch the careers of the Russo brothers and Christopher Nolan. Uh, Ari Aster has had a short film here. You know, Lena Dunham had her first short film at Slamdance. So just a ton of really exciting voices that are really at the forefront of entertainment right now. So it's very exciting to see, you know, how the festival continues to grow and change. One thing I love about Slamdance is it isn't like you just have these things that happened a long time ago. I mean, some of the most talked about movies in the last year, including Vast of Night, which has so many fans, and Residue, which I think just blew people away when it came out a few months ago, both came out of Slamdance really recently. So it's cool to see it continue to be so vibrant. Um, we were there last year, and of course, will not be there this year, given everything. But uh, I, I just love to see the spirit of it. What should people know if they want to get into Slamdance? Um, you you submitted something for us for a piece we did on what film make, on what film festivals want that was really helpful. But can you elaborate a little bit on what people should know if they want to make a Slamdance film? Go ahead, Peter. Should I take, should I take, should I take a turn? 
I, I think the, um, the, the most important thing to always bear in mind when um, thinking about submitting to Slam Dance is that we're an artist-led organization. So we're a network of filmmakers, active filmmakers ourselves, and there is no uh, one person or hierarchy of programmers that get to decide, you know, whether your film or your script, we have a very popular screenplay competition, is going to, is going to rise above and get into the festival or win the screenplay competition or just be selected. I think it's really um, surprising to many to find out that um, we have over 200 programmers uh, that are actively um, programming slam dance. And each one of those programmers has a voice and the same vote as anyone else. Mm. We have team captains, uh, and that's a volunteer position where they're devoting more time to helping organize their team of programmers, but they themselves don't have any higher power. So it really is an organization run by filmmakers for filmmakers. Um, and I think that's a very important, you know, piece of information to bear in mind when submitting to us. I think a lot of filmmakers think that if they maybe call Adele, you know, or, or another filmmaker that they, they, they know that's sort of prominent at Slamdance, that they might be able to get a, a foot in the door. But um, it's very important for Slamdance to always keep in mind that what we're trying to do is um, create a level playing field for every type of filmmaker, wherever they are from it, the, in the world. And um, as such, sort of inclusivity is really important to our organization. And we want to support then those filmmakers that are coming up, they're going to be the next generation of, of filmmakers. And I think that's what makes Slam Dance different is that we are truly an artist-led organization who, as Adele has just mentioned, um, in our own way, um, can discover these great artists that are going to change our cultural future. Yeah, and just to add to that, I think because of the structure of the organization and how programming works here, our programming team is evolving every year and changing every year because every year we invite the new crop of filmmakers to come and join and program with us. And I think because of that, Slamdance has really been able to stay kind of fresh, you know, because we are always inviting new, fresh voices to be the ones who are kind of curating and you know, deciding what is the most exciting to them. Yeah. So kind of to answer your question, you know, there's no like definitive thing that we're looking for, but we're looking for things that are exciting to us that we've never seen before. Um, our programmers are always saying, it's a good film, but is it a slam dance film? And no one really knows like exactly what that means, but everyone kind of has their own idea of what that means to them. And that's kind of how collectively our programs are formed. I'd love for anybody trying to get into slam dance to watch Fast of Night and then to watch Residue and then try to find anything in common with them besides DIY spirit. They're such totally different films and it's just a testament to the diversity of taste that you all have. One thing I really like about this year uh, for all the bad things, slam dance is gonna be much more accessible uh, no one has to go to Park City. No one has to get a hotel or an Airbnb in Park City. How's it going to work this year? Yeah, well, it's not lost on us of, of how expensive it is to travel to film festivals. And especially, you know, Park City is, is, is normally a very big undertaking. There's a big investment as a, as a film lover, but also as a filmmaker to come to, to, park, to park City. And, 
yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, we've been facing these amazing challenges. Um, we, all, we all have been. But at Slamdance, um, we've seen this as an opportunity for us to grow in, in, in other areas. And as you've just mentioned, to be more accessible. And I think this is really part of our future. And we're seeing the, the online space as a way to really reach a much wider audience. And we hope to make independent film more popular. So as of today, we've already got over 14,000 pass holders that are signed up for our, uh, for our festival this year. Um, we've still got a few weeks to go. And, and I think this is very exciting for us because um, I think in some ways, independent film, um, as odd as this may sound, has been exclusive. It actually hasn't been a, an inclusive art form partly because of what I just mentioned in, in terms of having to travel to film festivals and sometimes the expense, the great expense that's involved in getting to them either as an audience member or as a filmmaker. So here then is a way to open that up and to introduce and bring film, independent film to a new audience, to a younger audience, to a new generation of viewers. And I think by doing that, we can actually increase the value of independent film over, overall because it will make it more popular. And I, and I hope that there are others that, that, that are sort of thinking maybe the same thing, because um, I, I think this is a great opportunity here for film festivals and other arts organizations to really open themselves up here to, uh, to, to, a, to a new audience. And after all, that we will, we will not be going back to what was considered a normal environment. We're now, I think, all understand that we're, we're facing a, you know, a, a, a new way and I think we should embrace that. And this is one way that this is one way that Slamdance is is doing that. And our accessibility reaches not just through Slamdance.com, but also um, major apps that we've invested in. So you know you can see Slamdance on your favorite favorite app wherever you wherever you are in the world. And we've really tried to um, encourage our filmmakers to embrace this, as you as you know. Um, filmmakers that are showing their premieres for the first time, they may have some trepidation about this, but we really do think this is a, a, an exciting way forward for independent film and for, for Sundance. And it, this will definitely you know, be part of our future as we go forward. So speaking of increased accessibility, can you talk about your new Unstoppable program for filmmakers with disabilities and how it originated? Well, actually, our um, one of our unstoppable programmers, Juliet Romeo, earlier in the summer came to us to propose, at the time, just a panel about disability at festivals and how difficult it was for filmmakers or just audiences with disabilities to attend festivals. And just through speaking with her about it, I think we, we kind of thought, well, this is the perfect opportunity especially given the festival will definitely be online this year to really highlight that. Yeah. This new uh, program. And, and Judith is a, she's a filmmaker. Uh, and, and what we did in furthering then to develop this program is that we invited um, alumni who have a disability themselves uh, and others to join the programming team. So once again, you know, adopting this by filmmakers for filmmakers sort of approach to how Slamdance is run, we really wanted the program to be represented then by creators themselves who have been living and creating with disability. And um, 
uh, Taylor Miller, an alumni at Slam Dance and a longtime programmer, she's helped um, manage this new program. And uh, it's really, I, I mean, sort of like the blue touch paper and, and step back. It's, you know, went from, as Adele was mentioning, a letter to this, you know, prominent program at Slam Dance this year. And it's really attracting a lot of interest. And of course, for us, going back to inclusion, we, you know, we just want to make sure that creators who have disability are, in, are included. Uh, and this also is going to enrich our, our storytelling that we see, whether it's a short film or a feature film. I mean, this is the one thing that we're looking for at Slam Dance all the time is sort of the, the promise of, the, of, the, of a new story, the story that we haven't seen before, the attempt that's being made by a new filmmaker to create something which is audacious and daring and and, and fresh and, and new to us that we can that we can experience that's going to you know uh, balance and, and entertain us and and you know um, it's really about embracing um, the, the voices that we have at Slam Dance to contribute towards making it a, a, a sort of a more creative world in which we in which we live in and we've always believed in the promise of, you know, the, 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 the new filmmaker to deliver that. And, you know, we've, after all of these years, we've never been disappointed in that. And of course, you know, a lot of them go on, as Adele was mentioning earlier on, to really be at the forefront of, of filmmaking uh, period. In terms of discovering new filmmakers, do you both have a memory, whether recent or from going back 27 years, of just realizing, oh my God, I'm in the presence of a major new filmmaker. This is a really exciting moment. It would be interesting to take both our takes on that because you know you could say I'm from the old school of things, and, and Adele is from the new, the new, new, the new school. And Adele sort of came into Sandhouse as a filmmaker, so I, I can give you the sort of the old school answer, but it might be fresher to have the new school answer, and I can sort of follow on from Adele because maybe Adele's. <laughs> Adele, you know, I think yours is a very interesting take, a fresh take, because of how you came to Slam as, as a filmmaker yourself. Yeah, I came with a short animated film in 2017. And then in 2018, summer of 2018, I started working for Slam Dance. So I think freshest in my mind in terms of filmmakers that really like made me pay attention would probably be Marawi Garima. Mm -hmm. Of res director of residue just last year because I was I remember I was trying to watch all the films for the festival and seeing residue it just really like blew me away you know like it just really struck me emotionally at a deep level and it was very exciting to see something like that and I think even though there's so many amazing films at slam dance like that one still stood out in a special way because it's really telling a story that you know and from a perspective that I could really connect to. Yeah. And just meeting Marawi at the festival, you know, like his drive and his passion for filmmaking and sort of like the, the, the kind of unique perspective he brought to filmmaking with the community involvement was also very inspiring to see. Yeah, I wanna yeah. talk a little bit more about residue after, after Peter's answer. Uh, uh, great. Um, and, and for me, I mean, there, there are many, um, there are, there are many, but I, I think the, 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 there's, I guess the Chris Nolan, um, premiere at Sam Nance is probably a good, a good one to speak about because, um, it was, it, it was very clear with following that, 
um, here was a film made by a filmmaker that was really going to go on and do great things. This is a film made for um, around $10,000. Wow. And it was clear and speak, it, it was clear after speaking with Chris that he understood um, all of the creative elements that go into making a feature film. Um, he had opinions on each of each of them and they were all really well thought out. And it goes to show you that even though you have limited resources, the, your creativity that you're bringing to each component that makes up a feature film is integral to its success. Yeah. Uh, and as I say, he clearly understood each one. And that was really, that was really impressive. Um, and the film too, obviously, um, ended, you know, it was completed to, he was an original storyteller, an original film, mm -hmm. and it stood out. Um, but it's, it's also interesting because it also speaks to partnerships, filmmaking partnerships. And, um, you know, I remember we always encourage our filmmakers to get together with each other to support their films and also to be bold in how they're presenting and promoting their own work. I mean, if you can't do it, who else, who else can? Yeah. And, and very often, you know, some directors, they, they, they are shy and they're, they're, they're not the greatest spokespeople for their films at the, at the time. You know, they learn that or they, perhaps they don't like it, but you have to make sure someone on your team can for you. And um, it has to be said that it, it wasn't quite natural for Chris to go out and promote his own film in, in Park City when it arrived. But, um, but enter Emma Thomas, his producer, his wife, mm -hmm. um, his, his partner. And I remember being with them when we were talking about how important it was to, to promote, you know, the work and we we're talking about ways of doing that. And um, Emma's response was, you know, telling her husband to do exactly that in no uncertain terms, this is what we must do. And it just reminded me then how it holds true that it's, it's yes, you're an auteur, you, you can sign your name on a film and it's yours, but still, but still partnerships in filmmaking are essential also. Uh, your producer or your editor or your writer, your gaffer, these are incredibly important to successful filmmaking. And uh, that was the, that, so that's the story that really stands out. That's a, really, that's a story that stands out for me. And I remember to, to, uh, to this day as a reference point for my own filmmaking and to tell others. Um, I am gonna get back to residue, but as an introvert, I'm always happy to find out who the other secret introverts are, um, especially in Hollywood, which we all look at as the most extroverted possible place. Was Chris Nolan shy? I mean, was he an introvert? Um, no, he, he's, he, he, you, you can't say that, but, but he was not, um, but he was not embracing the promotion um, of, of, of his film. Yeah. And sort of here we're getting into, you know, familiar territory for a lot of slam dance filmmakers is what we, what we try and do at the, 
at the film festival is to repair them. Oftentimes it's the first time they've uh, ever been to a film festival. Mm. And so we have what's called a filmmaker Bible, which is quite long these days, um, which goes through our experiences uh, um, of, of how best to promote, how best to prepare for the festival, how to get the most out of the festival experience, not just at Slamdance, it's now used for filmmakers that, that um, go on to other film festivals afterwards. Wow. Um, but you, you, you do have to put yourself out there. You know, you put yourself out creatively and that is obviously, you know, involving all kinds of risks, but then you have to also do it personally and you have to jump off. And so Slamdance is a community which will help you do that. And uh, that's really what was happening at Slamdowns with Emma and Chris. That's what we were all in this together. That's what we were doing to, to support, you know, uh, following. Um, and that's what we do with other filmmakers. Yeah. Um, so. There's something I've been telling filmmakers that I talked to since seeing Residue. There's one particular scene where a police officer um, confronts some characters and you never actually see the officer. You just hear the officer's voice and see a blue and red flashing light. And it must've cost them, you know, $10. Um, but it's just as effective as having a police car and having a, an actor in a uniform. Is what, What's the lesson there for, for a slam dance filmmaker or anybody who's doing it DUI, DIY? I think the lesson is that sometimes the obstacles and the challenges are actually what produce the creativity the most creative decisions because you're forced to think outside the box of how you've seen things done before, you know? And yeah, to me, that scene is probably more evocative and more powerful than if, you know, the way I've seen it in other movies. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's, it's one of the scenes that stays with you. And I don't think it would, if it was just, you know, a good character actor mm -hmm. uh, and a rented police car. Can we talk more about the filmmaker's Bible? Um, is that something that the average person can access somewhere? And can you give us any indication of what's in it? Sure, so every year when we accept our filmmakers, we send them a giant exhaustive PDF. Um, and this year we had to kind of rewrite it because the festival's online, but it's basically a huge how-to guide on how to have your film at slam dance and have a good time and have a successful festival run. Um, but, you know, there's stuff that's immediately relevant to slam dance, like what your screening copy should be and things like that. But I think more importantly includes a lot of information that you can use way beyond slam dance, like the best ways to market and promote your film, how to find a publicist and do you need a publicist? you know, what do you look for in a sales agent, things like that. And I remember getting that in 2017 when my short film was in, you know, short animated films don't need publicists. Um, but still it was like such an eye opener for me that there was this whole kind of like just beyond finishing your film. There's all this other stuff you really have to do that could really, you know, help your career in substantive ways. And I think that you know, it's very empowering to know that there's more than more that you can do beyond just submitting your film and hoping it gets in. Like after it gets in, there's so much more I can do to help shape my career for the next step. And do you have to get into slam dance in order to get that? Or is that something that you might publish at some point? You know, why not? <laughs> we, I, we haven't published it. Um, 
but it's probably a good idea to do so. We, we have put some of that information out in various other forms, like in interviews or in, in blogs on our website, but that's a good idea, Tim. Yeah, I like that idea. And I think, think, think Tim, it speaks to, A, it speaks to sort of getting ready for a film festival experience. Um, but for us also, it, it's a way to reinforce um, who we are as a, as a community, uh, which also shows that we're not just interested in helping the film and filmmaker at Slamdance. We want to help them afterwards as well. However, which way they may take the information, they can utilize it then with their other festival experiences, their run of exhibition. And um, so th this, this does speak to, uh, you know, why we should publish it for others um, that, that aren't at Slamdance, that may have submitted to Slamdance, but we can help them in some other way. So I like what you're, I like what you're saying. I think we would probably adapt it a little bit, wouldn't we, Adele, to sort of take in a year-round and ongoing experience. But, um, you know, the other thing too is it's, Adele uh, rewrote a lot of it this year, obviously, but it's also got contributions from other filmmakers and from other, you know, years of, years of, ex years of experience. So, uh, but it's, it's a way to get filmmakers ready and to tell them that we're absolutely behind you every step of the way and to think about this festival as a festival that takes its preparation for its filmmakers, um, you know, seriously in a, in a meaningful way. I, I think some filmmakers, you know, when they get into a festival, it's a matter of turning up um, and then they're gonna have their film presented. But it's about how can you make the most of this festival experience for you, your film, your fellow filmmakers, now and uh, and for the and for the future as well. Yeah. Uh, Slam Dance is one of the festivals that other festivals really look to for guidance and look to as kind of a choose your metaphor lighthouse for what they should do. Um, you're in kind of a unique position this year because you're one of the festivals that actually got to take place in 2020 just because of, you're early in the year. So I have kind of a two-parter. The first is what did you learn from other festivals in 2020 that went online before you did um, or adapted to COVID in various ways before you did? And what advice do you have for festivals in 2021? Yeah, we looked at a lot of festivals this summer um, and it was exciting to see all the various ways people were adapting and coming up with new ideas and kind of staying flexible. I'd say the lesson is really to stay flexible and agile. I mean, things are still changing with the pandemic every day. So even though our festival's coming up, we're still, we still gotta be on our toes. Um, and I think that's an important lesson, not just for the pandemic, but just for the shifting, you know, tides of the entertainment and film industry in general, you know, things are changing with streaming and all that stuff. So just don't be too tied to how things used to be and how things, how you think things should be um, in like your glorified sense of like an ideal film premiere or festival, but just, you know, see, be in touch with what people need, what people want and try to adapt to that. Yeah. 
and I would just add to that by saying, you know, keep it simple mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, and be patient because you, you've got to roll with the punches here. Uh, we've all had to do that, no matter, I'm sure you've had to do the same, Tim, at your, your organization. You know, you've got to uh, be settled in that somehow and find within a team framework how to best do that, you know, and, and it's, it's, we all know it's not easy. Um, and to be kind, you know, that's the, you know, these are very sort of basic principles here, I know, but um, this is what sort of we've been, you know, we, we, we've, been, we've been going through. But this idea of keeping it simple um, is, is really, really important with an eye on um, not only how to adapt, but how to create for the future. Yeah. And I think in many ways, what's been happening um, over the last 12 months it's just an acceleration anyway in, in what was happening in the movie industry. You know, we've seen, you know, we've been seeing, haven't we, the old model of things um, falling, falling apart and changing. And we're at that point, it feels like, where th there is a new model that's, emer that, that's emerging. Um, maybe it's not quite the one that we'll end up, we'll end up with in the next five years, but we can see that emerging, you know, right now. And I think this whole experience of the last 12 months has just accelerated that process. But in doing so, it has provided us, has provided us with opportunities. Um, and I think the other thing too is that, um, you know, f festivals uh, provide light. They provide, a, um, they provide support. They provide a way forward for filmmaking and, and, and filmmakers, because after all, this is the, the, you know, these are the places where oftentimes um, filmmaking starts out publicly, mm -hmm. right? So this is the sort of the, this, this is the, this is the beginning. Um, and so here we have something which I think represents the beginning of the, of, of the new. And as I say, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say what that new model is exactly, uh, but it, it's so important to, you know, keep the lights on. Uh, and to keep keep pushing forward, however which way you can. If if you are a regional film festival that serves a, you know a, a devout local following, what are you going to do to keep that going? And and don't give up on that. You know, have belief that you know you can really you know you can really make something successful. You know, online work. It, it's it, it can be done. Um, I could go on, but. Yeah, I think looking at so many festivals, what they were doing when moving online this past year, it really struck, it's really struck us that there's no one way to do it. There's so many ways. And at times looking at all the options was overwhelming. Like how, how many ways can you sell passes and how many ways can you sell tickets and how many ways can you stream a movie? Apparently many, many ways. and. I don't think there's necessarily one right or best way, but it really comes down to like what your priorities are and what you really want to like focus, um, you know, focus your festival on. And for us, I think we really latched onto this idea that we wanted our festival to be accessible this year. And that's kind of what drove, you know, most of the decisions that we made around that. So finding your priority and then kind of using that as a way to figure out all the little details. 
you know, the, the last, last thing I'll ask is maybe it's my nineties nostalgia as a 45 year old, but I always think like, Oh, indie film was doing so great in the nineties, but talking to you both about how hard it is now, I'm sure it was hard then too. Like I'm sure it was incredibly hard then. Was there ever a point in, in both of your filmmaking careers and festival careers that it was easy? <laughs> I mean, I, I wasn't making film in the nineties. Right, so. right. <laughs> um, Peter. Um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting question because, you know, look, we, we, we're, we're part of this, we're, we're part of this makeup because we make various creative and business decisions on, 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 uh, and personal decisions on why that is the, why that is the case. And we all, we all know, no matter whatever we do, we're always going to be faced with struggles and hardships and, 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 and we want success. Um, I, I mean, the short answer is that it's, you know, it, it, it's never easy, but when you work hard and you work, you know, you work um, in, in collaboration with others, you'll find, you'll find success. Um, never give up. If this is truly what you believe in doing, then, then do it with everything that you have. Um, and you know, the energy, um, required, um, is, is always going to be immense. I think no matter what level of achievement that you have been able to create for yourself, whether you, you know, are a filmmaker or your film festival or a film festival organizer, um, it, it, it really is about sustaining that energy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and also being, you know, curious. Um, and wanting to uh, evolve. Um, I think that is also um, essential to, you know, to, to success. But I mean, just in terms of how the filmmaking industry has changed over the last, you know, 20 or so years. Yeah, sure. Um, it was it was hard in the 90s because of the gatekeepers. But you could argue today that there are uh, variations of gatekeepers. And this is one of the reasons that Adele has just been sort of, you know, telling us about with the, um, with our direction of accessibility. Um, by doing what we're doing right now, there are no gatekeepers. Yeah. We've really opened ourselves up um, and we're asking our filmmakers and, and for um, a new audience to em embrace that. I think that's really exciting. So, you know, Sandman's has always been um, wanting to, uh, to, to break away from gatekeepers, to allow filmmakers to fully express themselves and, and to be able to sustain and develop a, a career. Um, but that's a very big question, Tim. We could, that's a whole subject about <laughs> gatekeepers and what it was like in the 90s and what it is like now because there are comparables, but there's also been great shifts, I think, in the film, in the film industry. Yeah, I think it's always hard um, and like maybe looking back, it seems easier because we're looking back through this lens of like how indie film was in the nineties is what it should be like. Mm -hmm. And now it's even harder to achieve that because we're in a different time, you know? Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's hard all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, I think what is hopeful is that you can always look to the future and also adapt to the present instead of trying to 
trying too hard to like work yourself into a past model. For me anyway, it's important not to lament on the struggle and how hard things are, but in the end, what you've produced and what you've created and what you're really proud of, 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 of showing, whether it be your film or a film festival or anything visual. Um, we, all under, we all understand that, you know, we all understand that struggle, I think. And um, um, yeah, get on with it. Really great advice there from Adele Hanley and Peter Baxter. If you haven't seen Residue and haven't seen Vast of Night, I would really encourage you to Google and learn more about those movies and how they were made, uh, including in the pages of Movie Maker and we're at moviemaker.com because I know there's this idea that it's just impossible to make a film, especially now, but those are two films that prove that it really can be done. I know you think, you know, there are so many obstacles, financial covid anything you can think of but those films are true examples of how you can do it you the person listening can do it i also hope you like their advice on how to get into slam dance or how to get into any festival or how to just make a movie for yourself that will be your stepping stone to the next thing you make anyway if you've enjoyed this if you've gotten anything at all out of it uh, feel free to review us on apple feel free to share this with other movie makers in your life and uh, just thank you so much for listening this far. I really appreciate it. Obviously, there are a ton of great films coming to Slamdance starting Friday. You can find them at slamdance.com. You should definitely sign up. I'm Tim Moy from Movie Maker. And see you back here really soon.